Welcome to Gimme Some Truth. I'm Kevin Castro, your podcast producer, and your hosts are Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, and Jonathan Jordan of Walkner Condon Financial Advisors in Madison, Wisconsin. This podcast series is dedicated to illuminating some of the darkness around conflicts of interest and motivations in the financial planning industry, as well as current events and investment concepts. Here are your hosts. to give me some truth. Today we are talking about a topic that has been in the news lately and uh, doesn't look like it's going anywhere, and that is the topic of Bitcoin. Uh, but more specifically, we want to talk about the fear of missing out, which is um, not new. That's been around for um, you know, literally as long as people have walked on Earth. So the idea of my neighbor has something and I don't have it, or um, something might happen and I might not be a part of it and get the benefit of it, uh, is really where this is centered around. Uh, it's not new to investing. Uh, the idea of missing out has been around, um, again, as long as investing has been around. So the idea of how do we um, appropriately kind of control those feelings and when does it make sense to um, kind of strike while the iron's hot and when does it make sense to uh, take the uh, the more cautious approach. So first of all, let's start with Bitcoin. Clint, what is Bitcoin? Well, First of all, you didn't say FOMO, and I'm a little disappointed with that. because That, that was by design. I didn't say FOMO. Come on. FOMO's stupid, first of all. <laughs> the fear of missing out. The fear out. of missing out. Fear of missing out. See, FOMO is way better. You got to have FOMO. There's YOLO. There's all this type of stuff. You know, you can't just say you only live once, Nate. You got to say YOLO. That's what the kids say. Apparently. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So um, anyways, w- this is like a, a question we have gotten constantly from clients. Um you know, what's with this Bitcoin thing? You know, why why are Bitcoins always in the news? And now you're starting to see it proliferate on Bloomberg and, and you know, all these different talk shows are talking about it more and more um, because it's volatile and it's hot and it's the, the new thing. So just to take a step back of what Bitcoin actually is, it's considered to be a cryptocurrency, which uh, basically what that means is it's kind of, money out of thin air. And if you think about what money actually is, I mean, if you think about you, you pull a 20 out of your pocket and really that 20 that you pull out of your pocket only has value because it is backed by something. And basically it's backed by the promise of the government to say that it's worth this. Um, and it has a, a quasi tangible value. Well, Bitcoin's very similar to that in that, um, its value is determined by its market price. And it's mark the market price right now is very uncertain, so that's what leads to a lot of this volatility. Uh, it's used for transactions, and uh, you know the anonymity behind it. I think is something that's uh, a lot of people find important. So some people are using it to buy things, and it's it's logged, but it's all logged with uh, numbers that don't necessarily identify you, and so you know it's been used for some of the dark web transactions. So, you know, like many things, it starts with, uh, you know, drug dealers and criminals and uh, then moves on to the general public, right? Uh, but that's kind of how it 
how it began. Uh, it was used to to do anonymous uh, transactions between two parties, uh, and then also it avoids uh, the normal credit card processing fees in banks. So uh, it's a very, uh, I would call it kind of a libertarian type of currency. You know, the governments aren't involved in it, and the governments will likely become involved in it at some point. So. Those are kind of the, a couple of the basics around it. Why do why is it used? Well, it's used as a form of, of currency right now, and uh, it, you know it's it's less trackable. Even though it is logged, um, it's much harder to uh, reduce the anonymity into that, and then also uh, you know reducing the amount of fees associated with it. Yeah, our existing currency is is also um, held stable by the fact that it's tied or pegged to other countries' currencies, right? So you can almost think about it as you know, here in Wisconsin, right? We're into ice fishing season, right? So if everybody on the ice kind of ties themselves together, it's harder for one person to fall in and ultimately drown because everybody else can then pull them back out from, from them falling in. And it's a similar way as far as the, where, where the uh, world currencies are all tied together. It's very difficult for a currency to just lose all of its value because the other currencies that are pegged to it uh, would ultimately kind of pull that currency back up out of, of whatever hole it fell into. Um, this is a little different because there's nothing that Bitcoin is tied to. Uh, it's not it's not pegged against anything. And, and in a way, the people that like it and use it like the fact, as, as Clint alluded to, that libertarian feel that it, it, it isn't tied to a government. It isn't tied to um, kind of a thing. Uh, what, back when we were on the gold standard, right? I mean, the, the U.S. currency was tied to the value of gold. Now it's tied to uh, exchanges and, and, and other currencies. This This is a completely different animal in terms of how it's structured. And Jonathan, I mean, when we talk about Bitcoin itself and and how volatile currencies normally are, I mean, it's pretty much unparalleled for its volatility. Well, it is, and when you also consider the fact that there are there are exchanges out there where people can go to uh, to trade currencies and try to make money off it. I know there's forex. I've talked to people before that they enjoy doing this. It's it's fun for them. It's it's sort of like if you were going to the casino and you were going to the ho chunk trying to take advantage and be on the, the positive side and win here and lose there. But at the end of the day, it's, it's real money that's go, you know, being traded in these investments. Um, <clears throat> from the fear of missing out side of it, hearing your neighbor talking about, I've, I've, you know, I've been investing in crypto and suddenly now there's hearing about all, they've made all this money in the last several months. And in reality, it's all on paper. And unless that person sold out of the investment that they had in, in, in Bitcoin or whatever, one of the cryptos they were in, you don't actually really make that money. And so that, that fear that we think, oh, well, should I have been doing this? There are not many people that trade Forex that completely understand on that, um, you know, on that exchange of what they're doing. And I, I know a number of people that have lost considerable amount of money doing that without having an understanding of what they were actually investing in. So that, that power of fear that, that, or that, that drives us to want to be able to make money on this that's one of the areas that I look at Bitcoin and say this is this is kind of a case study for investing of how much our emotions are behind some of the decisions that we make. And I think that's where we've gone with clients in those conversations is, you know, where does this match up with your goals? Where does this match up with what you're trying to accomplish long term? Because ultimately, there are many different types of currencies you can invest in that we know a lot more about than these cryptocurrencies at this point. That's exactly right. And I think it's... Uh, you know, with the fear of missing out, we've seen bubbles before and people say, well, is Bitcoin in a bubble? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I think so, but I, I have no idea really. And for full disclosure, 
I'm the only one of the three here that that owns a little bit of um, a couple Bitcoin cousins, um, and, and I I bought it just because. I knew that it, there was a possibility that it could go up and I knew it was extremely volatile. And I was like, I don't know. I didn't want to have the fear of missing out, so I bought it. Uh, but it's a minuscule portion of my uh, net worth because it's just kind of more fun money than anything else. And I would say that if you're considering putting serious money into it, there are people that I heard that are like putting second mortgages on their home to buy Bitcoin. I mean, that to me, that idea is, uh, I don't know, uh, not well-founded. I would and say, not, to say it nicely. <laughs> I don't want to absolutely ever say anything because, because you know, it, maybe Bitcoin, we're going to be sitting here in a year from now, it's going to be double or triple or, you know, it can go up a thousand percent in a year. Well, it also can go down a lot as well. So, um, well, you know, if, if Bitcoin was up 3000 percent a year from now, I have, I have no clue as to where it's going to be. But all it needs to do is go down 100 percent. To be right. worthless. Well, and the governments can intervene at some point too, mm-hmm. uh, to start to regulate this. So, I mean, that's the problem. I think that the big fear that I would have would be that these foreign governments are going to start stepping in, or our U.S. government is going to step in at some point and go, "Hey, this Bitcoin thing, um, you know, if it actually kind of started to compete with the U.S. dollar, um, that would be stopped." Um, so, you know, I think that we're going to see a little bit more government intervention, and that could cause um, some potentially negative effects in there. And so, I would say that, you know, from a personal standpoint, if you want to go buy a little bit of it. Hey, go ahead, knock yourself out. Just keep in mind that this is gambling money. This is not real money. And and, and you know when Nate and I are in some meetings, I, we always say we always joke around with clients and say, hey, you know if you want to make a lot of money, do the exact opposite of what we recommend. Put it all on red. You know, be totally non diversified. Do something that's you know where you're really making a bet. And if it hit, hits big, great. It could become a large portion of your net worth. Well, <laughs> that should be only a small portion of your net worth to start that you're willing to risk, that you're willing to lose. Yeah. One of the things, too, about the, you know, being wise with your money or things that you're, you're investing in and, and in regards to fear of missing out, <clears throat> it takes me back to when we were seeing the houses that were being purchased in the early to mid-2000s. And, you know, a little history lesson on that is that not everybody owned a home and it really wasn't able to own a home until 1998 when the Fair Housing Act was signed in, into legislation. And you started to see in the early 2000s that more and more people were purchasing homes. And part of the reason they were doing that is because everybody thought, I have to own a home. And, and in reality, based on whether it's movements of where you're going to be living and job changes and the market that you're buying in, Purchasing a home might not be the wisest thing, even if you have the money and the credit and the down payment to do it. It's really sitting down and taking a look at your, your current financial situation and whether or not that works out. Well, that fear of missing out caused a number of people to make purchases that they were not well-educated in, in properties and areas where they didn't live, thinking, I can't lose money on this. <clears throat> and it really was the precursor and the, the torch that lit the fire and probably a lot of the wood on that fire, too, of our financial crisis that we saw in 2008 is it really started with housing and people getting mortgages that, you know, they couldn't afford and taking on extra debt for an investment. They thought, well, all my neighbors and my parents and everybody else says they're making money in real estate. Well, there were many people that were completely wiped out, not from the stock market, but from their real estate holdings because of the illiquidity of it and not understanding the investment. So that fear of missing out can cause us to not only do things personally, but also create and perpetuate that bubble that's coming along. Nate, it kind of sounds similar to the uh, tech bubble as well, does it not? 
Yeah, I was just going to say that this is this is not new. I mean, Bitcoin's obviously the flavor of the day, um, and that's fine. There always has to be kind of a new flavor of the day, and, and that's what it is right now. But it doesn't it doesn't mean that the characteristics of this um, kind of phenomenon are any different than, as uh, John alluded to, the housing um, crisis that happened or the tech bubble that happened. Um, and you can even go back further than that and, and track other. Um, kind of phenomenons that have kind of bubbled up and... and the Dutch tulip crisis. The Dutch tulip crisis, right? <laughs> if you want to go way back, right? Um, and that's not to say that people didn't make their fortunes in those times, because there are people that did make their fortunes in those times. But you know what? There's also people that made fortunes in, in sports betting, and there's also people that made fortunes in, in um, you know, playing blackjack. I'm, I'm currently reading Phil Helmuth's uh, autobiography right now, right? So, I mean, that these things... It's not to say that these things are not viable as ways to be able to um, to become um, you know wealthy quickly however uh, what we don't hear as much about are the failures and the the bankruptcies and the um, kind of ruinous situations that these situa- that these uh, events can can put people in and that's the the point that I think all of us are making today is uh, you know if, if you want to quote gamble uh, with with uh, the flavor of the day which is bitcoins and by, by saying that it's a flavor of the day doesn't mean that we that we're Saying, oh, the, you know, we're not we're not the old curmudgeons saying, oh, this is just for the young people, and this is never going to happen, and this is, you know, this is this is not the way of the future. I mean, maybe it is the way of the future. We don't know. But what we are saying is that to invest in it right now is a very, very uh, speculative um, proposal, to say the least. And it's not to say that uh, um, you know people aren't going to lose fortunes because, as Glenn alluded to, if you're bringing um, home equity into this to be able to buy to leverage your money up. You are asking for uh, a fair amount of pain to come your way. Yeah, it's the I think it's the immediacy and the volatility too that's so enticing to people. I gotta say for myself it is like right now I'm gonna log on to my phone. Okay, I'm I'm logging in here. I'm gonna log into Coinbase. That's that's where I have my uh, have my thing and I get to check it a couple times a day just to look at it. Oh, I'm up today. Like this is amazing. I'm up a thousand dollars and you're like. This is ridiculous. You know, it's it's really, really, really volatile. Um, and so when something is this volatile, I mean, it can go down equally as fast. And I can remember when I logged onto my phone and I literally lost 40% in one day. I mean, this is extreme volatility in, in this. And so it can be fun when it's going up. But, it, you know, as soon as you have it anchored to a certain balance or a certain thing, you know, in this inherently, I think, magnifies the biases that we have in investing. So number one, fear of missing out, um, FOMO. Uh, so we have mm-hmm. this like totally hardcore thing of, you know, my neighbor, I know that my neighbor turned 10 grand into whatever they tell us, you know, oh, my 10 grand is now 200 or whatever. And you're like, holy cow, that's a lot. You know, or I put a thousand dollars in it, it's worth $10,000 now, you know? And so we, we want to be part of that. And now we're fearing that we're missing out. So we want to do that. And then we have anchoring bias on a certain number. And, and, even us as investment advisors, I've told these guys, the reason for you know my benchmark really for this is that I want to buy some landscaping. I put a little bit of money in, and I kind of so far it's done well, and and now I, I just want to kind of buy some landscaping from it. And so you know that's an anchoring. It's pretty stupid that I want to do that. You know, it's like okay, I'm going to sell out then. Why? You know, why does why is that important? Where I'm picking a point where I'm just just going to liquidate. So you know, it's just that inverted in it. It's taking a look at it and then seeing these new points and realizing that, you know, if it goes up by a hundred percent in a day, why, you know, why does it go up a hundred percent in a day? What's changed in a day? 
that it goes up by that much. And so those sorts of things all enter your mind. And I think it kind of poisons your mind from an investing perspective. It becomes so easy. Uh, you know, I turn my investment into that and then you, you start losing the fact that general investing principles would tell me that this is completely unsustainable long-term. Well, and it, it, it also kind of then begs the question as, as point you were making is, you know, where, where is your exit point? And having, if you're going to invest in these areas and you're going to do the speculative type of, of investing or, or, um, you know, use of your money, then absolutely you should figure out the correct way to do it. I.e. if it goes up, X amount of, of percent, you should be selling out a portion of your position. That's just good, sound financial advice, and that's the mistake that most people make. It's not that they invest in it, and it's not even that um, they they uh, lose all of their fortune. Most times what happens is they invest in it, it goes up, and they cloud their judgment without saying, I'm going to peel off 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 or 40% of my profits and put those in my pocket. Their fear of fear of missing out FOMO is okay. Then I put a thousand in and now it's worth 10,000, but my 10,000 could turn into a hundred thousand. So now I'm going to just ride it as opposed to saying, except the principles are you should take your 10,000, pair it back to say 7,000, put the three grand profit in your pocket and continue to do that as it runs. So again, the, the principles that are really what get lost in all of this. It's, it's not so much the speculative investing. It's the fact that when people speculative and speculatively invest, they don't do it in the right way. Yeah, and when we take a look at, at our clients' uh, portfolios, when we're looking at ways to help them to grow, we're taking all sorts of things into consideration about their personal situation and what their long-term goals are. But when you have these emotions and behavioral finance uh, can can you know tell you a little bit more, there's other things like you talked about anchoring and, and mental accounting or how we kind of view money, whether it was inherited versus whether it was earned on your own and how it was invested I know I know. I have clients that come to me and they say, I, I, I just inherited money and I want to invest it the same way that my mom and dad did to honor them. We always have that conversation of, well, now that you've inherited this, is this going to be the best way that's for your long-term goals now that you have the money? And kind of maybe rewire the way we think about, about money. But over my, in my 10 years of doing this, one of the first things that I ever learned, it was a great line that someone gave me, but it was so true. It was, what is the best time to sell a good investment? I ask the clients, my clients that all the time, and the, the answer is never. It's a good investment unless you need the money or that investment has run its course in terms of its valuation of what it can return to you for the amount of risk that you're taking because it's a zero-sum game. When there's a when there's a 40% downturn in one day in an investment, that means there's more sellers than buyers, but somebody at the beginning of that day was the first one to sell out but there was another person on the other side of that transaction that was buying in thinking this is a great investment. There's only one winner and one loser in this. It's a zero-sum game. So eventually, you have to find your exit point. And if enough people back out and say they're not going to get back in, you, you end up, when you get out, you could end up losing money. But if you get out at the top, but how many people have we talked to that are like, well, I'm going to keep holding on to my, my Bitcoin or this investment because it's up so much. Well, at what point are you going to sell? Because if someone's screaming at you to offer you, Hey, I'll pay you this for it. That's the amount it's worth that day. But we have no, uh, there's no cash flow. There's no um, earnings. There's no dividends that are being paid. This is an investment that is basically on the idea of uh, there's nothing yet backing it. Now, we talk about the blockchain and the technology behind it. But in terms of these cryptos, there's, there's really not a lot for people to be able to say, I was a brilliant investor for putting my money into this because I really looked at the, you know, the, 
the the dynamics of the business and I could see that this was a growing area. It's it's one of those things that that speculation can really drive you to to make the wrong decision in the long run. Or you could make a lot of money. But someone on the other end is going to lose a lot of money. Again, it's the idea of picking picking the entry point, picking when you're going to sell and have that plan in place before you even put the first dollar into the investment. Obviously, we're not going to recommend or uh, not recommend uh, you know, investing in Bitcoin. Um, I think you can tell by the the uh, uh, kind of sentiments from the three of us that um, you know it's it's a highly speculative, uh, high risk game, um, and it's one where you should uh, you should tread lightly. That said, if you're going to go into it, please have a plan in place of what your exit point looks like, uh, how much you're going to sell at that point. Have all that thought through before you put your first dollar in because it's significantly harder to make those determinations once your investment is up 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 or 50 or 100%. That's exactly right. All this anchoring bias that you have in there is is incredible. And it's a great case study for everybody. And, you know, I, I'm going to be really interested to see when we have a conversation later on this year, you know, did the bubble burst? Uh, you know, or is this just raging again? But at some point, the bubble will burst. Uh, it's really hard to see bubbles, but at some point, uh, I, I, you know, this is one of those where sometimes it's just right in front of you, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's right in front of you, and you know that that this is a, a bubble, and we have no idea whether it'll be up another thousand percent by the end of 2018, or whether it'll be worth a fraction of its value. And, and so, um, from an investment concept standpoint, just keep in mind, keep it small, have a plan. Uh, just understand that, you know, what a speculative investment means. You know, right now, I feel like we're at the point where, you know, you have this good run on the blackjack table for a lot of these people where you just keep putting the chips on top of each other and then eventually you're going to lose. And so if you don't have a plan to take some of those chips off the table at some point, just doubling and tripling and quadrupling down is a dangerous game because at some point you're going to end up losing a significant amount of money. We had one client that said that they, you know, we haven't verified it yet, but, you know, there's one client that indicated to us that they have a significant amount of their net worth in Bitcoin right now. Nate and I were in that meeting last week and we said, hey, look, you got to have a plan to at least divest yourself of some of this because it's such a great game that you've got to consider the fact that if this goes down, you just had a big chunk of your retirement sitting in front of you, and you've got to take those off the table and recognize those gains. The old Kenny Rogers. you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. But fear and greed are the two most powerful emotions that affect our decisions with our money. Um, and, and, and at times, they're warring against each other. You, know, you can make bad decisions because you're so fearful that you don't invest your money and you don't keep up with inflation. Or on the greedy side, you can make decisions that far outweigh the amount of risk that you should be taking to be able to achieve your goals. But as you said, I mean, you, you, if you have a plan in place, then you stick to that plan and you say, hey, if I'm up this much, I'm going to sell out. You don't have to completely sell out. You just take your gains off the table and you still have it. If it continues to go up, but at least you were able to realize some of the benefits of where that was valued at that day. So I'll pose a question back to both of you guys. I mean, Jonathan, you, you, know, you guys, I, I've kind of disclosed to you what I, why I own it. You know, why haven't you bought any Bitcoin? Because I only make investments in things that I understand. It's my personal policy. It's how I handle my client interactions. And if I don't feel like I understand the either the technology behind it or the business plan behind it, it's not worth me taking that risk. And 
I'm able to kind of divorce myself from that fear of missing out because my fears that keep me up at night is that I'm going to make a bad decision for a client because I'm, I'm either reaching or chasing after something to, to be able to prove returns versus being able to have a, a defined plan in place and an investment uh, policy in place that is going to have a much better chance of getting us to our long-term goals. So that's Nate. for me. Yeah, I, I tend not to chase um, investments like this. It just tends to be a little bit more of my personality. Um, it's not that I don't that I don't think it could be a viable currency five or ten years from now. It, it very well might. Um, it just is is easy to get caught up in the froth of what's going on right now, and um, not to mention the fact that it, that it's run already so far. So then the question becomes, how much run is there left in it? Um, and in a way, if you're not an early adopter of it. And if you're not already, if you weren't already in a month ago or three months ago or six months ago, uh, you know, it might be too late already. So for me, it's just, it's just having the discipline not to chase something that, that seems um, incredibly overvalued at this point. Uh, but really, the, the, where it comes down to is nobody has an idea of what the true value of one Bitcoin actually is. I mean, today it's trading on, what, 13,800? What, 13, I don't know if the true value of it's thirteen hundred and eighty dollars, or if the true value is one hundred and thirty-eight thousand dollars for a Bitcoin. Um, so for me, I'm, I'm going to steer clear and go a different direction if uh, if that's the case. You're going to have lots of FOMO, or maybe you guys will drive by my house and I'll have three pine trees. That's that's it. That just might be it. Right? Well, I guess we'll, we'll yeah, that's true. We'll we'll have a very tangible way of determining <laughs> whether or not this was a good idea. Drive by, by my house if I have how many trees? Wall. Yeah, exist in, uh, in Clint's yard. And, I think it's because we're we're forty year old old curmudgeons, is what it is. That's probably we, it. Probably we real, we real, realistically, yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks for joining us on this podcast. If you have any comments on us, please leave it um, in the comments section or send us an email. We'd be happy to discuss this with you further. Uh, I think we'll, we're, it's safe to say we're not going to go buy Bitcoin for you. Um, but if you so so uh, decide to do that on your own, that is completely up to you and your investment uh, decisions. And uh, you know, we would just say with the extra disclaimer and disclosure today that um, you know we're not. This is not a solicitation to buy or sell Bitcoin. We're not determining whether or not it's overvalued, undervalued, or whether you should buy it for your portfolio. We just wanted to give you some food for thought. So thanks for joining us. Um, you know, we created this uh, this topic of our podcast because of client feedback. And so if you've got any more uh, topics that you're particularly interested in, we're happy to do one. Thank you and have a good day. You've got to leave your money Advisory services are offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the states of Wisconsin and Texas. Clint Walkner and Nate Condon are investment advisor representatives of Walkner Condon. Kevin Castro is an office manager and marketing communications specialist for Walkner Condon Financial Advisors. He is not registered, and his participation in this podcast is limited to unregistered activities and will not be providing any advice that is investment-related, nor should any comments he makes be construed as giving investment advice. Insurance products and services are offered through WC Insurance Services, LLC, Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, and WC Insurance Services, LLC, are affiliated companies. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any of the securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice.
You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Wachner Condon Financial Advisors LLC is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizons. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Wachner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Wachner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not promise or guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see wachnercondon.com for additional disclosures.